Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host for this one, John Siegley, and I'm joined for our Media Monday podcast by Gregory Hall, Russ Martin, and Greg Barnes. We are sponsored, as always, by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Guys, let's just jump right into this one. As we normally do, let's get a some brief thoughts. So, Greg, start with you. It was obviously a very disappointed, a very disappointing ending to the game. But as you were sitting there watching that overtime unfold and then writing all the postgame stuff, what are the major takeaways that you still have here on Monday? Yeah, it's it's interesting having watched the game play out. Um, we knew going into the game that Virginia Tech was not the the great Virginia Tech of old. We also weren't exactly sure what North Carolina was. It, it's it's incredible to, incredible to me. You you watch North Carolina play South Carolina and then Miami. They're two and zero, and I think everybody's uh, expectations got perverted got blown up. And now we're sitting seven games in. I actually picked them to be three and four at this point. Now, I've only picked, I think, two games right all year, which speaks to the up and down nature of how things have played out. But I think most of us had them at four and three or three and four at this point. Um, So their own own pace with what expectations were. But when when you figure in that they won those first two, everybody had skewed opinions. Um, and so when you're watching that game, you see how the crowd is reacting. I really think that the turning point in that ball game was the busted play, the 55-yard touchdown, because that gave Virginia Tech life. It woke up their offense, and it entirely woke up that that stadium. They all of a sudden thought, wait a minute, we, we can win this game. Um, and there were just a number of plays throughout where you're like, ugh, Carolina – may regret not making that play. And Mac talked about that today, that typically in a game you can point to seven or eight plays that you know, a game can turn on, especially if it's a close game at the end. In this game, there's probably 10 to 15. Um, and so even before we got to overtime, there were chances that you're like, oh, Carolina's probably going to be kicking themselves for not making that work, whether it's you know, you know the clock situation at the end of both halves, some some ill-advised penalties, uh, you know, the busted play, the two busted plays. And so just a lot of different things like that. And so once you go overtime, anything can happen. North Carolina had their chances. So did Virginia Tech. Um, and as it, as it played out with the fluky two-point conversion deal, which I'm still not sure if I like it or not, I go back and forth. Virginia Tech made the final play to win, and hats off to them. Uh, it, was, it was a good game to watch. I don't know that it was necessarily great football. Uh, but Virginia Tech did what they needed to do, and now North Carolina's in a spot where they've lost four of their last five games, uh, which is not where you want to be going into the meat of the schedule. Yeah, I'll jump right in here to and from the game with Greg and our photographer, Jim. We talked about a lot of topics, many of which Greg has, has touched on there, and, and I think you know fans got some false optimism with the ends at uh, you know, Miami and South Carolina. They were won by the quarterback, Sam Howell, and so he has gone out and won UNC some games. And they've been behind a lot of other games. And I think the, the big issue with this team is they're still in a rebuild. There's a lack of depth on defense. You saw that in the fourth quarter in overtime. Players retired. Aaron Crawford, Jason Strobridge, a lot of linebackers had played the entire game. So they were getting gashed by the power QB run. 
Um, and I mean, this team is not, I mean, I don't know. We thought they were going to be maybe a, a seven, eight win team. I think getting to six wins now is kind of the very, very realistic goal. Um, cause they're getting exposed in certain ways. Yes. They should have won at Virginia tech, but, um, there's obviously some issues on the offensive line as well. We can dive into some play calling, some time management issues. I think they do need to lean more in the running game with Javante Williams. They got away from that in the, uh, in the second half. And I don't, I don't know if we were really given a good explanation for that. I think, Bud Foster schemed to uh, prevent a lot of the runs, so they had to go more to the pass game. Um, but you're sitting here, I mean, kind of stepping back. You know, the Duke game, it's not, you know, it's not a certain win. So things are looking a little more challenging with Duke, Virginia, uh, Pittsburgh, all, you know, games they could win or they could lose. And then uh, Mercer and NC State. And I think NC State is, is the, one of the more winnable ACC games left. You look at Duke, Pittsburgh, NC State, Duke, Pittsburgh, and UVA. So uh, that's where we stand now. Three wins. They need three more to get to a bowl game. Uh, you know, you count Mercer, and then you have to get two out of the, the four ACC games that remain. But this is a rebuild, man. They're they're going to have guys that come in next year on defense that should help the depth. They get healthy as well. They get defensive back help coming in as well. But you know, I think we were we're served false optimism with how good Sam Howell is, and he makes up for a lot of mistakes and other aspects of the team. All right, and then Gregory, what was the tone and overall vibe of the press conference today? Was Mac Brown still kind of jovial overall, or just what was his demeanor that you observed? To me, I think this, I think he was kind of the most, he looked angry was the first thing that I took away when he walked into that room. Um, I mean, he spoke for, 15 minutes without question just going through going over the game um talking about things that like questions that he knew we were gonna have um like clock management he talked about those four or five or even more plays that unc would have needed to make to win the game um he talked about how this was maybe one of the toughest losses in his entire coaching career just because of how many chances that the Tar Heels had to win this ball game. Um, so I guess, yeah, mood wise, just he, he seemed angry to me. Um, and he talked about how uh, earlier in the season, he talked about how he told Sally Brown, his wife, that he was going to be a better loser and it wasn't going to let him infect him today. He was like, nah, it, it, it still sucks. Um, and he talked uh, he touched on that a little bit on a Mac Brown live about when he loses, he has to just go sit in a corner. He has learned not to talk to anybody, not to be around Sally because he gets, uh, he said he gets sarcastic and short and he says things that he probably shouldn't say. And he said that he was like that after the Virginia tech loss, whereas maybe not so much after the, the Clemson loss or some of the others, um, Maybe like that uh, that optimism, that false optimism after the two and zero got to Mac himself, right? Because he's thinking, all right, this is going a lot better than the than it did the first time he was at UNC. Um, and then you look ahead, like Ross said, you've got Pitt, Duke, UVA, um, and we were talking earlier, Greg, about the the FPI and the chances to win, and they're pretty much all fifty fifty games. Um, and I was looking back, and since uh, that ACC Coastal Championship in 2015. So at the start of the 20, 2016 season, uh, UNC has had 26 losses. 
15 of those were one possession games. Uh, that's, that seems uh, like a much larger number. I haven't compared other ACC teams, but I think that kind of speaks to why Mac Brown was maybe a little more upset and angry following this loss than, than the others. Well, Greg, let's get your thoughts on that. And then after you're done discussing that aspect of the press conference, go ahead and dig into what Coach Brown said about the time management, because that was definitely a common theme that he talked about today. Yeah, I think Gregory had a lot of good points there. And, and the fact that that Mac was is kind of overcome with with the anger. I think that's a good thing. You know, a lot of the, the talk that he's had about coming back and he's wanting to enjoy things more and, uh, you know, just really help the players. And you know, he's not so worried about the wins and losses, although they'll come. Um, I think it's good for him to to kind of feel that fire and be like, that drives me nuts. That's good for you. And that, that shows that he's still got that fire and that passion, which yeah, I don't think any of us really had concern that he did. Uh, but but it, that kind of shows the, the human side of it, which I, which I think is neat. Um, in terms of the FBI, uh, Carolina's like a 60-some percent uh, favorite against Duke and about the same against State. But against Virginia, uh, 50.5%, and against Pitt, 50.4%. So those are almost perfect 50-50 games. And so if you win one of those two, you're in good shape problem for North Carolina after losing to Virginia Tech you really need to win both of those uh, so it's going to be a tough challenge you know the, the FBI has them 0.9 percent chance of winning out which is probably what they're going to have to do to win the coastal uh, but we'll see that's that's why you play the game and uh, maybe Virginia or Pitt will, will trip up here down the stretch with them already having played each other uh, that that's not a good thing but you know crazier things have happened for sure uh, in terms of the, the clock management, I don't know if funny is the right word, but we talked about this day one you know, against South Carolina. The fact that North Carolina took a knee on fourth down, gave South Carolina a chance to win the game on a Hail Mary, not good. And today was really the first time I've heard from, from Max say that was a very poor decision, which we all knew it was, but that acknowledgement I think was important. But, you know, then you have, you know, at the end of the, the first half against App State, uh, they got away with one where Michael Carter scored on a touchdown. But if he doesn't score there uh, because of the way they handled the clock, you they should have had more options or more opportunities to run plays than they probably would have. Uh, but that one's kind of covered up because they were able to score. Into the Wake Forest game, Michael Carter does not get out of bounds, so they don't have that chance at the end to throw a Hail Mary. Uh, so that was a bad one. And then you know, at the end of the, the first half – End of the game, uh, I kind of get a little bit. But into the first half, I, I was really surprised that North Carolina handled it the way they did. I mean, Virginia Tech has first and goal at the eight. You call three quick timeouts, um, even if they score, you get the ball back with plenty of time left to, to march down the field. Max seems to be of the opinion that because of the 10-second runoff rule, you have to have at least one timeout in your pocket. Because last thing you want is there to be you know, seven seconds left. You have a 10-second rule, uh, half's over, unless you have a timeout. I, I get that. But when you're talking about moving the chains, it's not like the clock stops for good. You do get a momentary pause while the chains are moved, but then the clock starts back. Uh, so 
and listen to him talk about it. He he seems like there's more than enough time available uh, as long as you have you know, 30, 40 seconds if you got a couple timeouts. And I think clearly there are a lot of people that disagree with him. I'm sure there are plenty that agree with him. Uh, but he's done it a long time. He's had a lot of success. And I think he's happy in the way he does it. But the funny thing to me is we've talked for years about Roy Williams. And Roy Williams has had some of the greatest timeout rants you know, in, in the history of sport. And now Mac Brown is saying the exact same thing. And so you read the boards and people are like, what is he talking about? Why wouldn't you use timeouts? And I feel like saying, go to the basketball board. That's what we talk about all the time. So that's that was a very humorous thing that we've got Hall of Fame coaches manning both the basketball and football programs. And both of them, just to a point, refuse to call timeouts. If anything, just to tick off uh, fans, it seems like. But But they have a strategy involved and – they do not like to use timeouts if they can uh, uh, get away with it. Thank you for bringing up so many of those memories, Greg, of yelling <laughs> at the TV, timeout, timeout, timeout. It's part of being a Tar Heel fan, right? I mean, that's that's part of it. Yeah, Mac, Mac said uh, he mentioned Roy on um, on his radio show, and he goes, now I, I, it's good to know that we have a lot of a lot of timeout experts in, in Chapel Hill. It's, uh, it's good to know. He just says, I wish you guys could have been in that headset with me and on the field and to make sure I have those, make sure I didn't have those three timeouts left. It was, it was pretty funny. That sounds a bit tongue in cheek, I would imagine. Uh, let's go ahead and take a moment to talk about our sponsors at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. If you're going to be in Chapel Hill for one of the remaining home football games, or if you're going to be there when basketball season starts up soon, make sure that you swing by their location there on Franklin Street. They have been in business for decades. They have the very best customer service. They are locally and alumni owned, and they have the absolute best variety of gear you could ever want for the Tar Heel fan in your family. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you can always head over to GiantT-Shirt.com. You can shop everything that they have online as well. And if you are an InsideCarolina.com subscriber, you get 10% off of your order. Make sure that you go to either the Premium Basketball Message Board or the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. Get your 10% off code. That's GiantT-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Your place to go for Carolina gear. All right, let's get back to the press conference talk. And Ross, the other kind of big news that I took away from this is Mac Brown announced that there is going to be a new kicker. Noah Ruggles, who struggled in the last bit of the loss to Virginia Tech, he is now going to give way to Jonathan Kim. So when you heard Mac Brown say that, what was your reaction to the change there at place kicker? Uh, yeah, I mean, a little surprising, I guess, because you weren't expecting it, but it makes sense. I mean, he, let's see... Ruggles, it was 10 for 16. He's have three kicks blocked. He had uh, two kicks, which I think both could have at some point won the game in overtime uh, for the Tar Heels. You know, blocking isn't always the kicker's fault, but sometimes it is. So don't, I don't think you don't, I don't think you get um, an excuse for that because sometimes you don't get it up high enough. I'm no kicking specialist, but yeah, I mean, why not give someone else a try? Obviously they feel good about Kim. He not only is now the starting place kicker, but he took over, kickoff duties after one kick by Michael Rubino was short. Uh, it was at the six-yard line, and after that, uh, Jonathan Kim took over and kicked everyone into the end zone for touchbacks. So he is has a big week. He was suddenly not really doing much, and all of a sudden he's a starter at both positions. Um, and Mack wants to win games, and when you, you miss some game-winning kicks and points are left on the board, you got to shake it up and see what else can happen. So yeah, it's part of football. These guys are grown men, and they can handle it, and people get benched all the time. So I have no problem with it, and it makes sense after 
you know, two two makeable kicks, I thought, um, at Virginia Tech that, you know, scholarship kickers should make. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And it was kind of interesting that Mac Brown said the one quarter, the one kicker that he ever offered a actual scholarship to was a guy by the name of Justin Tucker, who I think has worked out pretty well over his kicking career. Uh, I think you would, would agree with that, huh, Ross? Yeah, yeah, he's been great. And But additionally, Mac was kind of like surprised that Fedora had offered a long snapper and a punter in this class. He, he talked about that as well. But he has been very happy with Drew Little, the long snapper, freshman, and Ben Kernan. And it, ben, he has been extremely congratulatory of of Ben Kernan. He's been a great punter so far, and he's a true freshman. So it looks like UNC is is set in that position moving forward because a true freshman, he he's been pretty well, and you can see the leg strength that he has brought to special teams. All right, so turning the focus now to the upcoming matchup against Duke, either Phil Longo or Jay Bateman specifically mentioned the Blue Devils during their portions of the press conference today. Gregory asked, always asked about them. Gregory, what you got there for us? Yeah, so Jay Bateman talk, was asked about how you get pressure on, on Duke's quarterback and basically talked about how it's all about physicality up front uh, because the Duke quarterback, he does not hold the ball very long. Um, and when he does, he he's their leading rusher. Um, and obviously UNC had some issues with a Russian quarterback uh, last week. I believe they've allowed the most yards to Russian quarterbacks in the ACC this season. So what Bateman talked about on defense is stopping him is try and get to him. And when you do get to him, you got to contain him and keep him from getting outside. Uh, as far as off, as far as defense wise, Phil Longo talked about how Duke's defense is very much similar to a NFL style defense, and what he meant by that was how they show similar formations before the snap, and then after the snap, they'll switch into something completely different. So it's hard to be able to, I guess, if you're Sam Howell what Longo was talking about is hard to look up, recognize the defense. And then after you snap the ball and you have the ball in your hands, if you looks up again, it could be something and it will be something completely different. So those are the two, those are the things that uh, Phil Longo and, and Jay Bateman really stressed on as far as looking at film. And what stands out to me there is how, I guess, how much Phil Longo praised uh, David Cutcliffe for being, um, an extremely well-coached team, probably the most well-coached team that UNC is going to face this season. Um, not really sure if he was meaning the rest of the season or all 12 games. If it's all 12 games, I think that stands out as, I mean, UNC played Clemson and Dabo Swinney, so I think that's super high praise for Cutcliffe and uh, what he's been able to do uh, just down the road. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like we've said, Duke's going to be a, a tough team, and um they're well coached and they can do a lot and they have strengths that UNC has shown is a weakness for them, both on offense and on defense. And John, I think one of the, the big issues for North Carolina these next two weeks, especially is that to Gregory's point, both Duke in the way Cutcliffe does things and Bronco Mendenhall, Virginia, they want to be physical in the trenches uh, more so than, than most other teams that North Carolina plays. And Duke has done that. Uh, Bateman's comments about, you know, we know going into the, the Wake Forest game, for example, uh, one of the problems for, for UNC early in that game is that they had schemed for Jason Strowbridge to take advantage of a matchup, I believe, with one of their tackles. And they thought they could win that consistently. 
and that would allow them to get pressure on Jamie Newman. Without Strobridge, they had to scrap that and really had to kind of rework things uh, on the fly. And that's probably part of the reason Wake was able to get out into a, such a big league. Duke's not that way. They're, they're well coached up front and very physical. Virginia will be the same way. And when you talk about a, a North Carolina defense, I mean, I think 16 guys played defensive snaps against Virginia Tech. And 11 guys uh, saw the majority of those, those snaps. I mean, that's a problem. I mean, you're talking about, let's see, Strobridge, Ford, Crawford, Fox, Ross, Duck, Gimmel, uh, Greg Ross, Miles Dorn, and Chas Rat. They played every single snap out there. And so when you're talking about a, a physical game back-to-back after a six-overtime game, that's where you start to see some some guys wear down. That's where you start to see some, you know, the potential for injuries, if you will. And that's where guys can get exposed a little bit late in the games. And I think more than anything, that's what Bateman has to be careful about. And I think the same probably goes, holds true for Longo because they only had six offensive linemen play. And so if you're constantly having a tough go at the line of scrimmage, even if the guy's not you know, that much more talented than you are, or even less so, as long as they're physical and mean, uh, that can that can wear you down and that can pose problems. And so I think that's a, a legitimate, serious concern really for the next two weeks for UNC. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast with this. Ross, when you're looking forward to this game against Duke on Saturday, what do you think the heels must fix from Virginia Tech if they are going to secure a must-needed coastal victory? Yeah, I mean, Greg touched on some depth issues. I think, you know, rotating in Raymond Vahasic, if he is healthy, and Tamari Fox, the defensive tackle, um, along with Alan Cater and Tyron Hopper, getting those guys more reps to make sure that Crawford and Jason Strobridge are, um, you know, uh, have enough endurance at the end of the game is going to be key. They did, they've done that in some past games and only brought in Strobridge on third downs and meaningful downs. That's key. I mean, Javante, I think, is one of your best players, and he needs to run him, him and Michael Carter. They need to establish a run early and to, to get the pass game going. Because we know that uh, Sam Howell can throw the ball, but they've had great success passing the game. And the games they've won and they've looked dominant on offense, especially in the third and fourth quarters, is when Javante can run over people, get those extra yards after contact, and that's when they, they're the best. So those are the two things I'm going to look for. And, Two things that I think you can see, um, you know, they have some great players at running back and great players in the defensive line. So making sure they're at full strength and impact players is key. Uh, this is a huge game. I mean, I know Tommy always talks about must wins. I mean, th- if they don't win this game, I mean, it's going to be very difficult for UNC to to make a bowl every game. You have to. It kind of becomes, you know, it's a it's a if they win it, it's a bowl game. You know, it's, they have to win it to go to bowl game. So winning the Duke game would give them at least a little more cushion and you're in a little bit of leeway there moving into uh, Virginia, Pitt, and NC State. So it's a huge game, homecoming from a big crowd, 4 o'clock game. So very important one against a Duke team that UNC hasn't beaten in a couple of years. All right. And then, Gregory, final thought from you. What is the vibe on campus right now? And, and how do you think the student body will respond for the game against the Blue Devils? I think what's different about this year than in the past years is that at this point in the season, um, after losing four of the last five weeks, students would be like, eh, it's whatever. Um, it's just back to what UNC football has been. Um, in my four years uh, that we've been in our senior class was eight and four freshman year. 
Um, and then obviously the last two years, not nearly as great as that eight and four season. But students aren't behaving that way. They're not giving up. Today, the tickets for the Duke game got released about whether you get one or not based on the, the new lottery. Uh, so like, I got an email today saying I was a ticket winner. And then I, as soon as I've got a dozen friends text me, hey, I didn't get a ticket. I know you don't need your student ticket. Can I have your student ticket? Uh, like that would have never happened if the lottery was last two years. Uh, I bet they would have had a problem uh, getting students to even put in the ticket lottery because it's like you know, I have to enter a lottery for a football game when we have lost four of the last five weeks. No way. Uh, but not anymore. Um, now, obviously, if they continue to lose, might be a different, uh, might be a different atmosphere. But the the students want to beat Duke probably more than any any other game. Maybe if the state game was a home game, and then it also helps that it's a four o'clock game. Haven't had a noon game. Uh, the UVA game is a seven thirty p.m. game, so that's a night game, and that is definitely going to be full packed out uh, by the students. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the vibe right now. It's definitely different. Um, the team needs to start winning for the students to continue to care. That's ju- that's just where the football program is at right now. All right, great stuff, guys. Before we go, I do need to give the information for this week's IC ticket giveaway. As with every home game this year, Inside Carolina is giving away a pair of tickets. You can sit right next to Buck Sanders, very close to Mr. Tommy Ashley himself. This giveaway will run until 10 p.m. on Tuesday. To enter, what you have to do is visit either Football Message Board, the Tar Pit Premium, or the regular Tar Pit Message Board. Click on the thread about the ticket giveaway. Enter the entry code, which this week is 1888. It's the very first year that UNC and Duke played. So again, the code for this week is 1888. You can win those tickets. Sit right next to Buck. Guys, it was great talking to you tonight. We'll go ahead and call this one to an end, and we'll speak again next week. All right, see you, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.